Hello and welcome to the Post Ride Cafe. I'm Sam. This is Aaron. And uh, welcome back for another week of exciting cycling. A lot of news this week. Dude, there's a lot of races this week. Oh yeah, that's what I mean. Races. Race news. Yeah, there's some other news, but you know, to be honest, it's just like hype for the season. We don't have time to get into it, so no point in even delving in. Yeah, and it's, it's starting, so it's like, well, that's what you want to talk about. Oh yeah. Well, let's get right into it. To our Strava Stats of the Week. Stats. Uh, well, another, I finally got my house, so that's cool, and so my time has kind of been with moving, uh, we're putting up some fencing, and so I had to spend my weekend doing a lot of digging holes and house stuff. So my ride, I uh, got two rides in, I got 42 miles and 900 feet, and that's, uh, that's my stats this week. Dang, short and sweet, dude. Dude, right to the point. What do you <laughs> got, man? Uh, I mean, you know, pretty close. 212 miles and uh, 4,500 feet. Very similar. <laughs> yeah. So I, I've been focusing, I think I had said before, more on miles and getting faster on flats, I guess, was the main thing. So I'm doing a little less climbing. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's caught up to me. I was like, that's, that's a lot of miles. I'm tired. Yeah. I was trying to make sure I didn't read the wrong one when I read my stats. They're, oh, they're so yeah. similar. I, wanted, I didn't want to mix them up. Good. good yeah. Good call. Uh, well, getting into our ride of the week, for me, you know, I only had the two rides. Uh, I would say the ride I did on Monday, uh, just for like guts, I guess. Like, so I brought my bike to work, and I was like, I'm gonna ride. I need to get a ride in before I, I get this house. So I'm not gonna be able to. And it was just windy. Uh, I think the wind was 20 miles an hour or something. You know, I didn't even bother looking after the fact, but it was really windy. I found out it was brutal. Yeah, so I did that. It ended up being like a short ride. I think it was like 19 miles or 18, but I um, was it just seemed to be crosswind in every category. Like there was a little bit of tailwind on because it was like sort of an out and back kind of deal, and um, and so I rode into the headwind for a little bit, and I was trying to kind of like what you had mentioned. Like my goals are kind of you know build up my my strength. So I was like, I'm gonna take this opportunity to ride in the wind and try to just maintain. A certain speed, you know, kind of power related, right? And so I was like, I'm just trying to try to keep the tempo as high as I can and not really worry about it and think of it as work, you know? So I was trying to, and it was tough, man. You know, getting 14 miles an hour. Like, I'm leaned on my bike to the right because the wind is so hard. Like, I'm, like, leaned into the wind as I'm pedaling and, like, I'm giving it a good amount of effort and I'm, like, going 14. Like, it's yeah. pretty rough. Well, I was saying I, you know, was on my little gravel bike or whatever and I was just dropping off my car but i think i maxed out at like 12 into that wind as well it was just yeah. couldn't do anything yeah and so to ride for you know an over an hour in that wind on purpose you know i'm like watching people struggle as i pass them on the slight tailwind and then i use them as a target to catch them on the way back and so i did end up doing that but i tried going for a kom on this one segment this little climb and I think I ended up being like five seconds off. So I'll have to try that again where it was. The wind didn't really seem to help me, even though it was right in the same direction. It would have been a perfect tailwind. But I think there's enough objects around that area that it kept the wind blocked. But anyway, not, nothing really crazy, just a good good ride in the wind. Yeah. Uh, so I guess today would have to be my ride of the week. Yeah. Did, uh, did the shop group ride over at Shade Tree. Uh, and the guy that lives over here, we, we rode to the ride. So it ended up being uh, 65 miles or so, almost 2,000 feet, but just, you know, high pace the whole time. Uh, and so 
I mean, you weren't there to, to help me out, dude. I got blown out twice on, on this. Yeah, I saw the name of your ride. It said AB Group. So I was going <laughs> to ask you about that. Is that a new group? Or are you trying <laughs> no, to make it was the ab group. group. That, that's what it is. Like, you know, I'm getting abs. So. You're working on the abs. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. No, I. it was, I mean, it's obviously it's my fault. But they, where we rode with them last week, the break, the point that they split the ride was far sooner than they this week than last week so i had the expectation i let like i was kind of in the front then i let some go and i didn't realize that was going to be the point that we were splitting the two groups makes sense so then i was stuck in the middle for a little bit then i was like i can't do this and there was also fairly decent it was kind of it was probably crosswind at that time uh, this morning, and I was like, I, I can't do this. Luckily, one of the guys who was much stronger on the flat, after a little while, basically pulled us back, me and a couple other people back to the front group, did some of the climbing, and I don't know, I think I, I got blown out again somewhere, and then we reformed a like a an AB group. So some of the A guys fell off that group and then we caught up to the A group again with our, we took a shortcut basically to catch up to them. That's awesome. And, uh, so we, yeah, we caught up to them or, and then, then we kind of stuck together from there, but it was just kind of yo-yoing. And, uh, I was going to say one thing, which I already knew as well. Uh, just my ability to corner or to take corners like at speed is not great and we were talking about this the guy that i was riding out with we were talking about this with with another guy and he was like oh like i'll show you and and i don't think they tried to do it on this ride but he basically said like when i race and when we are either in a fast group or it's a crit he's like all the front guys will push through those corners just enough extra so anyone who is not good at it or is on the back gets spit out. Like, it's, it's on purpose because, you know, the, those guys may be stronger, but it doesn't matter if, if they have to work more and they're getting more tired. Yeah, if they, if they get kicked off just a little bit and they have to dig to get back. Like yeah, and I was doing that. Tape. I was doing that all day, so... Like, when we got up to the climbs, I was just like, I can't hit it like I want to or anything, just because I was trying to conserve some energy. Yeah, the real question is, did you make it over the bridge this time? Oh, I made it over the bridge. Dude, those, that, I could not get, I had to take my foot out on the little... The little walkway back down. Yeah, the the zigzag. There's like 10 of those things. (laughs) I was like, this is idiotic. We need to take the other route that's a straight shot. Takes you right back to the same place. Well, there is that little bit of climbing on the, through that neighborhood. Barely. It's like a 2%, 3%, like, max. Like, Still something. The other one's just flat. So, you know, I, it, at the end of the day, it can help you with your cornering until you can do it without unclipping, you know? Like, you have some work yeah. to do. Yeah. You know? I will get the left hand. Well, you know, when you're making lefts, I'm just like, ah, oh, this is terrible. But the one guy it was saying he was kind of showing us some... We rode back together, so he was showing... He, he was a nice guy, I think his like girlfriend lives out here, so we were talking to all ride together again. So yeah. he'll be over here every now and then. So, but yeah, I mean, just nice like 
just to learn more and people are fairly friendly and yeah. I think and if like you make to help the, you out. Yeah, I think if you make the commitment to be a part of the community, the community will welcome you. It's a big you difference. Know? I think just showing up once or sporadically or anything, because then you get to know each other, you get to know how, what kind of riders, you know, everyone is, and, um, and they get more comfortable riding with you. You can, I do the same, you can anticipate how they're going to ride, and, and just a comfort level of you're like, all right, you're not going to mess up. I, I can trust, you know, riding close to you and stuff like that. Oh, for sure. I'm sure I'm uh, not on their list of good riders. But yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. the bigger bus very nice. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back. I think I have another couple weeks. I still got to sell the current house we're in and, and some other. We're building horse fencing. It's just going to be some time, but we'll see how it goes. But, yeah, good. I mean, always good to to get out there with people. So. Oh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to being f- completely moved in and then just, like, having a rhythm again and, not, and the classics are coming up. Like, it's going to be exciting. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, get on to the news of the week. Real quick topic before we get into all the racing, really. Uh, you know, big big news is the Fuglesong, Astana, you know, Ferrari news of ultimate, you know, what is it? It's just hearsay, basically, at this point. Yeah. But that's pretty much been the hot button issue. So, um, what is it? The CADF had an uh, internal report about uh, Fuglesong and a couple other Astana guys being linked up with Ferrari and possibly using his services, and everyone knows he's banned from, you know, he's a doctor, Italian doctor, linked up with EPO and Armstrong and all these things, so he's been banned from cycling for life. But these unsubstantiated internal review claims state that he's working with Fuglesong, and so, you know, I did a little Reddit sleuthing and everyone was kind of in that thread talking about this, and a lot of people are on the fence. Personally, I'm on the fence. I would like to believe that he isn't doing that. Um, but it's also hard to believe that, as he had said previously, that just eating more carbs made him a better writer. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, like, I don't really care either way, but the, the story just lacks substance. I'm just like, if you're going to come out with a story, unless you're coming out with a story to potentially, you know stir things up and then maybe you find find something out someone cracks or you know you get more information there just wasn't really anything substantial in there so you're like that's fine you know if it's true then yeah go for it and if if not like get some more information first because i mean now you're throwing guys under the bus pretty much oh yeah and, and now they have no they're tainted to... Yeah, they have no ability to defend themselves because the claims that are even in that story are, are not even substantiated. So it's a really shitty situation to put a writer in when there's no proof or any, like... I guess for me, I'm trying to understand what the motivation is to release the story. Well, that's what I mean. The only thing is maybe, you know, that is a domino effect. Like, I think we were talking last week how there was another kind of doping uh, story unrelated to this one, and then you have this come out, and maybe they're just like throwing stuff against the wall to see what sticks and, you know, maybe... Sloppy journalism. Yeah, maybe something comes out is my only thought of, like, let's push this out here. Because if you were still, like, investigating, you would want that to be secretive. I've been watching a lot of The Wire. So you don't, you you know, let go too early. Yeah. And and tip tip the guys off. And so then they can can change up 
their stuff. They call it the change up a lot. Change up their their pattern. It's true. Well, two thousands called. They want their wife. <laughs> yeah, I was like, no one tell me how how it ends. Or yeah, what no spoilers. Season two, just started three. Dang, you're flying through, man. You must have a lot of free time. <laughs> um, so yeah, so part of that doping story, they had that story week before where the Spanish Civil Guard had dismantled an EPO network, and then that included athletes from all across the board. And of course, it's only news in the cycling world. And but then no charges are filed. They won't release any names. You know, it's like I just never understood the reason why people want to keep bringing up that there's dopers in cycling. Like, there's dopers in every single sport, and like other sports, at least know better to just not bring it up. And if you're not going to name names, then it's, just it's pointless. It's completely pointless. It just muddies and darkens the waters. Uh, real quick, I wanted to touch on uh, local hero alert. Uh, Vela News had an interview with Brandon McNulty after the uh, UAE tour, I believe. No. He, it was, he's uh, on UAE. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, it wasn't the UAE tour. It, it was, was the uh, San Juan? Yeah, and before the tour of Colombia. So uh, you know, he's kind of just talking a little bit about how he's... You know, getting used to the Peloton and how he's, you know, how how it all is going, and so he's very seems to be very humble and very just like want to keep it mellow and build up and see how his body reacts to all these things, and he's not putting a lot of pressure on himself to, I guess, get results, but he wants to work hard and see how he adapts, and then if he he's looking to win, but not like I must win or it's a failure. He understands there's a slight learning curve and and building up his his endurance. Yeah, I would. I would think so. Like, I don't know him, but the way that he spent extra time on rally and he could have gotten picked up last season kind of just leads to that where yeah. he's okay with taking his time. Because a lot of these guys, the the thought is with any of these youngsters, they're, they get burned out too early is the potential. That's like the a pool and everything. So he's going into it. I can take my time. And, you know, maybe I can last longer and have a longer more career. substantial career. But, I mean, who knows? Yeah, I mean, all, at the end of the day, all it does is, you know, amp up the hype train. And so we're all excited to see what he does in the Vuelta. But he has a whole season ahead of him. And, and just, you know, being the next great American hope, as we like to joke, is um, not easy to deal with. And so he seems to be handling it pretty well and setting his expectations pretty level-headed. But, you know, speaking of real quick, uh, I love tangents. I ended up, you know, the next great American hope is always TJ. And I ended up, I don't know how I found it. I was looking at something on Reddit and there was this little like Reddit thread or whatever called TJ in yellow. And all it is is somebody that just has a bone to pick, like just making fun of TJ and like how he deserves to be in the yellow jersey. Maybe they really liked him and it was a genuine thing. Maybe I thought it was a joke because I like, (laughs) like TJ and he always had really good potential, but he never made it. And then every time he wins, like, one small stage, he calls it, like, back to it, come back, I'm going to win. But it was a pretty funny thread. I just, I loved it. Yeah, every, like, picture of just about, you know, TJ's coming for you, and then they would, you know, make stupid things, like... Oh, yeah. You know, like, oh, I don't get, like, this guy, he's got a beard, like, TJ's coming back, like... Oh, it was great. It was, like, crappy MS Paint, like... Oh, yeah. Oh, it made uh, it much better. The crappier, the better. Like, oh, yeah. Like no no uh, high class high high skill memes. We just want the low budget stuff. It was pretty funny. Anyway, if you have a chance, check it out. Uh, so yeah, bring it on now. So we get to go to all the races, right? So there was it's like four or five races going on this last it's week. It's a lot. It's a lot to keep track of. I obviously keep track of all of them because I wasn't busy moving or anything. <laughs> uh, I just threw these show notes together at the last minute. But 
No one will know. Uh, let's start with the Saudi tour. We had stage one, little uphill. Rui Costa took a win, man. He's back. He's back, dude. He's on world tour. He's on world championship form. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Rui Costa is always a guy that has the potential to just win, right? But he is getting up there in age, so his wins are becoming a little less frequent. But he did have a nice victory on that uphill. He beat who, uh, what was it, Dylan Toons and... Or am I thinking of a different race? Mm, that might be a different race. Might be a different race. Too many races, man. But there was a little drama. Um, there was a little slight push-off. The push, dude. The push. A little elbow or, you know, push-off for, what, Van Ren- Johan Van Rensburg or something? But in the end, he said that, you know, Rui Costa wasn't at fault. I mean, you can see the video. He clearly pushed him. But yeah, like, his Rui hands Costa off the bar, it's... Had said he was self-defense. The guy was moving into him, so he put him back. And maybe he gave him a little bit too much of a of a push. But when you're in the heat of the moment, you don't have the time to like, you know, get it right. Gauge your effort. You're like, oh, yeah. that was just a little too hard. Like, yeah. You want to make sure it works. It if didn't you're gonna look push malicious. Someone. It was a stiff push, but not like aggressive. But that was a little bit of drama. And then stage two, Bonifacio takes a sprint. Yeah. I, you know, this one's really hard to watch. There's not a lot of great video. Uh, this one, it looked like he attacked a little bit, and he had a good gap. So it was a pretty cool little victory for him. Um, but stage three was where the true magic happened. Oh, the, the shit talking. Let it, let it come on. Yeah. Well. So stage three, another uphill finish. Well, it's a sprint, but like, so a lot of these little sprints in the Saudi tour are like a little bit of a rise to the flat, right? And so there's a little bit of effort. So a pure, pure sprinter is going to have a little bit of trouble. And, you know, this one was no different. So McLaren, uh, what is their full name? Bahrain McLaren? I think yeah. just Bahrain McLaren. Yeah. Uh, we're doing a pretty good job leading out. And they had one guy go off and then another. And then it was just Bajas left pulling and leading out Cavendish. And when you look behind him with like 400 meters to go, Cavendish, I guess he saw something he didn't like. And so he just attacked the Peloton. And a couple other leadouts tried to like cobble it all together, but Bajas was gone and he ended up winning that stage and I think Kevin just got like eighth or something. And like, again, not a surprise because like I said, there's a little bit of a rise on these sprints and so Kevin just isn't built for those. Boy, and he sucks. <laughs> that is very true. But yeah, Bajas kept looking back. He's like, hey, should I keep going? Like, can I go? Can I go? And then to be able to do that and then still win, I was like, oh, man. Oh, yeah, that was impressive. So, like, yeah, he was very strong because he was leading out for a couple hundred meters, you know, three, four hundred meters, and then he went for a sprint and still won. You know, in a yeah. world where, you know, someone like Vanderpool calls people out for waiting too long to, to hit the sprint, like, he was leading out for a while in comparison. So, pretty impressive victory. Mm-hmm. Uh, stage four, another person I don't want to talk about. So, we'll just say Bohani won that stage. It looked pretty good. I mean, it's... You know. It was clean. It was clean. Well, yeah. that's a, You know, if you get Bohani and uh, Damar in the same sprint, it's going to be a mess. But yeah, no, Bohani had a clean sprint. Maybe just switching teams is exactly what he needs to get back on the road. Uh, you know, our, he's on Arkea, right? Yeah. Uh, well, we already know Greipel isn't going to win anything for them. So, although, uh, yeah, he's just not going to. I mean, their other sprint on Nairo, is, he's pretty good, too. He's pretty good. Is Greipel on R.K. Samsic, or did he go to no, Israel? No, he's on Israel, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, at least this one will win for them. <laughs> yeah. Greipel, I, I love the dude, but he's not going to win anymore. It's hard to keep track in this early season of who's on what, man. Uh, and then the final stage uh, was actually a pretty controversial stage. Uh, the sprint finish again, 
It came down to a two-man sprint of Bajas and Buhani. Buhani. And, you know, I'll actually side with Buhani on this. He was pretty upset, so Bajas took the victory. Um, but when you look at the replay, he edged over on Buhani's uh, lane like twice. And so Buhani was upset that he didn't get relegated. And watching the video, I, I have to agree. Yeah, like real abrupt movements. It wasn't just a gradual, oh, like I started fading your way. You know, people kind of do that to cut off the lane a bit. And if you do, do it slowly, that they usually will give you a pass. But yeah, this was like real jerky, like movements and like over. So he was right in, it just kept cutting Buhani off. I don't, I'm actually surprised Buhani didn't even crash. Like, that, that last one where he got really upset was very jerky. So uh, it was pretty crazy that um, he didn't even crash. But I do agree. He probably should have been relegated on that sprint. It was just not good. Very yeah. sloppy. Weird. You want to hit the next one, man? Jaco Suntour. I watched most of this, but I did not watch the first stage. And I'm not going to even say that I know how to say his name. Zanazi? Denazi? I think that's how they said it. Was it a sprint stage? I would imagine. You know, on my crack notes, I put Denazi. That's all I wrote. So. All right. We're getting there. We're going with that. Denazi won. On stage. What team is he on? Don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we can look it up real quick. No, I want to say it's no. Quick Step or something. I don't think he's on Quick Step. Now we're going to have to find out. Yeah. Well, I can't. It's too late. Anyway. Yeah, I don't know. I can't remember. We're, we're terrible people. We'll move on to stage two because I did watch this. I'll, I'll research it in the meantime. Going to uh, back to last week, up and coming rider, Jay Henley, took out the the first mountain stage. It's really cool. He he just looked really strong on it. Uh, kind of, I think, I think Lachlan Morton went out first, and it was kind of like the satellite guy. They, there was maybe three k to go, and Nielsen Palace. He was working for Nielsen Palace. He looked pretty good. And Henley just just went the you know and took it out. He didn't really drop drop everyone, but he was clearly the strongest. So it it was good to see that. And Sunweb, you know, for what we had talked about them earlier, at least I that you know they weren't going to do anything. They you know they look strong on there, especially. I mean, I know Henley's Australian, so I you know it's an it's an Australian race, so most of the Australian guys do pretty well because they're coming in with top form. Um, but Mitchelton is usually the one who dominates everything, and that's what they were trying to do. And Yates just back, you know, dropped, which I think is fine at this time of the year as well because he doesn't want to peak for Australian races. Yeah. You know, he shouldn't. I don't know who would. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Richie something. Yeah. Richie Froome. Um, so, yeah, that was nice. Well, real quick, Denazi, he's on Sunweb. Oh. And he, well. beat, uh, he beat this guy Groves on stage one. Oh, speaking of, stage three, Groves wins. He won, man. Yeah, I didn't watch this one. Uh, Mitchelton Ryder, it was kind of going back to. I would assume that he's Australian as well. Um, we're what just they gonna, say about assuming, dude. We're just going to say that he is. Uh, but yeah, uh, I did watch some of stage four. And yeah, Hindley just... Any mountain stage, just looking great, uh, really strong. So that, that was, again, nice to see. 
Yeah, nice. It'll be interesting to see how the rest of his year goes. I think that uh, you know he's young. I think he's what, what twenty? Yeah, twenty three. So, I mean, he has uh, to be under a certain age to make your uh, my young writers list. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I knew he was under twenty three. I just didn't know exactly. Yeah, so he seems to be coming up, and it's definitely a good time for him because Sunweb needs writers. So yeah, definitely. I mean, there I see them throwing him in, you know, super domestic role. So oh yeah, I definitely expect him to make the the Tour de France team. Yeah, at this point. And stage five, I watched a bit of. It was kind of a crit style. I think they did like 22 laps of Jeez. whatever it was, and Groves won that again. So clearly coming in as probably the, the strongest sprinter in this race. Yeah, I don't know who else is really here to, to compete on that. but Not, you know, it's not, it wasn't a strong sprint field, and it wasn't my favorite race of what was going on right now. But, you know, like, saying Henley, you know, it was, it was nice to see him, and there was a couple good climbers there, so. Yeah. Well, real quick, we'll just touch on Tour de Langkawi. I haven't seen any of this. I just kind of jotted down some results. Uh, Fedorov took stage one. I believe that was a sprint. I think his team was Vino Astana Motors or something. Hmm. Uh, a little, uh, probably a continental team. Stage two, Taj Jones, I think also a um, continental team or a pro-continental. Uh, and then stage three, Real quick, uh, Max Walshide won for NTT. So here we have what I think it's their third victory of the season. So they seem to be performing better than they did last year already. Um, oh, yeah. Now, and these aren't world tour stages yet, but it's building that momentum. Yeah, and they still weren't, you know, they weren't getting these wins even at this level this early last year. So it bodes well. Yeah, no, for sure. So just a strong start to NTT, and maybe it's the blue jersey. I was about to say, it's, it's definitely because it's our favorite jersey. It's so weird. I never thought that would be my favorite, but I really like it. And to be fair, uh, what stage were we talking about? Saudi Tour? I actually got to watch, you know, they had the posted the little one-kilometer clips. Uh, getting to see McLaren pull on the front and see their jerseys from the correct way they were designed from the front, they still look pretty damn sweet. Well, I think you need the socks in there, too, because they're that nice blue color, and then you get the little bit of blue on their sh on their sleeves. Like, I, I think you all need kind of all of it together. Otherwise, you just see too much orange, and then from, like, an overhead shot. Yeah, the behind-the-back overhead shot doesn't look as good. It's unfortunate that it was designed with the front in mind and not the yeah. back. Yeah, well, that's what I was saying. You need that, that blue in there to, to make it really pop. Yeah, well, NTT has the blue covered. True. You should trademark that color. Yeah. So the Volta Valenciana, uh, stage one, sprint stage, and another strong sprinter, Gronewagen. Yeah, uh, there was like a, um, there's a few good sprinters in this one. So it's definitely something you want to, you can see how you're progressing because you're against like competitors that you're. Yeah, it's a good gauge rather than some where you're, you know, clearly the strongest or. Yeah, there's doesn't... three Tour de France sprint winners from the last few seasons in this, in this race. Stage two, uh, I did watch this one. Really cool stage. It ended, and they had these switchbacks going up. Uh, I think there was a Cajarual rider up front, and they were pulling him back. And once they got to the last few switchbacks, they definitely did. Uh, comes around, and it's one of those ones, I feel like it happens in Spanish races a lot, where when it ends up on, on an uphill, it ends at, like, on a turn. And well, so I didn't want to see anybody. 
Yeah, so it just looks awesome. Like, you come around a turn, and then it's it's right there. It's done. And so there's a select group going, going to the top, and Valverde opens up this sprint at the end, and you're like, all right, this this is what's going to happen. Classic Valverde. Yeah, on an uphill, you know, waiting right, you know, to the right time, and just coming around from the side, Pogacar. All right, that was close enough. Uh, Pogacar. Pogacar. Comes around and just just pips him right on the line of the curve, and it was pretty great. Good old pip. Yeah, Pogacar, you know, good start to his season, and he's ready. It seems like he's, you know, on form already. Yeah. I think with the younger riders, they're... As you age, I think you kind of learn how to pace yourself and, and work on your fitness. Some of them kind of stay leaner all season long. But it seems like the younger riders are kind of staying lean and ready to rock and roll. There was a story I read about Egan Bernal where he's already in like race shape. Like he's just ready. I feel like it, it kind of goes back to I was thinking about um, like Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant and stuff. They were just saying how, they had always talked about how hard they train in the off season. Yeah. That they put in way more work than everyone else does. And you see those results. And I think it's the, maybe these younger guys have seen things like that and are coming in with that same mentality where back in the day you could take a real vacation once the once the season was over and you could go a month without touching your bike. Yeah. And none of them are doing that now. They're like way too competitive. It's way, you yeah, can, it's you, so competitive. You can't do that anymore because everyone's doing cross, doing, you know, whatever – and they're staying in fit, you know, all season. Oh, yeah. Well, what happened in stage three, dude? Didn't watch this one. Dude. But Grown Away won again. You hate sprint stages? I, I do hate sprint. No, it just, it just kind of worked out. I think when I saw stage two, I was like, oh, this is awesome. And then, I, I don't know. Because I watched stage four, which was also an uphill. <laughs> so weird. I don't, it, it wasn't planned. Yeah. Well, fine. Gronewagen won stage three, obviously having a great start to his season. I think this was his first big race of the year. Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, not I that it's think... a big race, but it's... But a... I don't think I had really seen him in anything else Yeah, I don't think so. Prior. So, you know, starting out... It's always good to put a couple wins in your pocket at the beginning of the year, even if it's a... This is still a pretty good race, but a non-world tour race. Yeah, I I think why I like this race much so much, though, is the, a lot of the bigger guys and the bigger teams were there, and at least for the two stages that I watched that were uphill, interesting climbs and, and really cool. Uh, stage four, uh, it was, trying to think how it went, basically I think around 3, 4K out, I think it was 3K, Pojakar goes again and is like, there's a an elite group going up, and he just maybe it's I would say max he got ten or fifteen seconds ahead of them, and he holds that the whole way. Oh wow! And so they're trying to claw back time, and they you know they get I would say within a little under ten seconds, but until the end, never closer. I, I forget when he ended up winning by. Uh, six seconds. Okay. I didn't watch the stage, but I do know that. Yeah. So I knew it was, you know, between five and ten. Yeah, and that was about poles. And I think there was a gap after him, too. Yeah. So it was definitely spread out a little bit. But it was just cool to see that he's like, I'm going to attack. 
and he holds just his small, you would think somebody could close it, and just nobody can. He was just right on, right on it. Yeah. But, well, I think it's a good time of year to like do these attacks and see how they work and see how you react and look at your numbers and do all that. I think it's a great time of year to do that. Well, he's a cool attacking writer anyways. Yeah, I'm excited We'd for him. We'd seen him last year, and he'll just go out and attack, and a lot of them stick. Yeah, and I don't think he's, like, overly aggressive. No, I think no, no. He, I think it's, he's doing it properly. Yeah, I think he, he, noted, he looks for perfect moments or what he thinks to be. He doesn't look for every moment to attack. Crazy, so. though. So young, and it's like, you know, you know what to do already. It seems that way. I think, you know, you can osmo so much from watching, you know, and, and then obviously he was racing in... Eastern Europe growing up, but yeah, um, yeah, I, I think he's an exciting writer to watch. And since I don't have a Contador like writer to watch right now, he's kind of filling in that role. I just like that attacking style where, you know, I was I happened to watch the um, Alberto Armstrong rivalry from versus they had on the, on YouTube. I was watching, and I remember watching it when it was out, you know, back then. But it's just awesome watching like peak Contador just attacking all the time and like. We just don't have that as much. Everyone waits to the last 2K or 1K. You know, it's like, I want someone who's going to attack six or seven kilometers out and really give it an effort. So. Well, yeah, because you're not going to make the time that you need to win in those situations or if you're already down or uh, we can go into all this stuff of, you know, how they, these climbers aren't thinking yeah. that they're going to claw back time on time trialists when you do a 1K out. You're, you're not. Oh, we're definitely going to be talking about that <laughs> during the tour previews. But real briefly... I, Poles look great as well, being the definitely the second strongest on there, and it's him on a new team. It's 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 nice to small leadership role. Yeah, I mean it's nice to see him get something and, and maybe a little resurgence. I think there was an article about that as well, where he was before this happened, and he was kind of saying that he was having that feeling of he was a little stuck on Ineos and well yeah I mean, obviously yeah why wouldn't he be like he's a great talent but there's so much talent on that team how do you expect to get anything yeah and that's why it's a little at some point you're like hey if you really don't just want the money and you want to win you got to go somewhere else yep so not surprising to see him we'll see how he does um it, it's exciting to see how he'll he'll finish up the season let's uh let's finish it up with stage five all right let's do it uh so it looks like Jakobsen took out the sprint there uh, second place, Gronenbegen. Second place. I mean, some some guy in some orange jersey. Who know, who knows what team he rides hey, for? When you don't watch the stages, you don't know who's an orange <laughs> well, or what that the, means. Well, yeah, I mean, there's usually not the sprint jersey is not an orange jersey. So, yeah. uh, and Degenkolb in third. Yeah, I wanted to talk, you know, kind of put a note about that. So Degenkolb, you know, has had the last few seasons, you know, since that you know, infamous crash, I guess, the car crash hasn't been quite at peak form for whatever reason, you know? And I think he's starting to get that confidence back. You know, he won that tour stage, and then he switched teams, and there's, you know, a uh, little more support, perhaps, for sprinting and what he needs to do. So I just wanted to reference that third place against Jakobsen and Gronewegen is a pretty strong result. And he wasn't, like, wheels behind. I mean, he was right on, you know, he was right on the wheel of Gronewegen. So I think he ended up, it was like a half a wheel or something. So, yeah. Like, he was pretty competitive in that sprint, so I think it bodes well for his development for this for the year and a good confidence boost to go against. I mean, Gronewegen was the best sprinter last year in the Tour de France, you know. So, well, and these was, are pure sprinters too, and he's that close. You know, it's not like this stage was set up where it was more of like a 
like a Sagan kind of stage where like Dagan Cole traditionally has done well because he's a little bit lighter as, than some of these guys. But yeah, I mean, I hope he does well. Yeah, me too. That's why I, I thought that was pretty neat. So good, good on him and see how he develops. Well, I think that might wrap it up for us. All right. Well, until next week, have a good one. All right. See ya. So real quick, I wanted to tell uh, a good story <laughs> of something that happened today. Get some bloops? Yeah, a little bloop. Um, so before we went to go to the house this morning, to uh, I had to go meet a pool guy to kind of learn about how a pool works. But we stopped at this place called Lamar's Donuts, right? Real nice donuts. They're, I think, the only one in Arizona, and I think they're from the Midwest or something. But Good old-fashioned donut there. I don't know how to explain. They're not as sweet, per se, as other donuts, and they're kind of they're really fucking big they're pretty big donuts and but they're real soft i don't know either way so we grabbed a couple of those before we went to the house and we got to eat them on the patio it was a nice moment you know and, but so i'm in the drive-thru which i don't ever do and the drive-thru menu on the donut place doesn't really have pictures of anything and so i was like shit i don't know what i usually point to the ones i want you know and so i was like hey do you have any like cherry filled and she's like no like we only have raspberry and then so like I instantly was thinking of Spaceballs, and I was like, Raspberry? Only one man would dare to give me Raspberry! And then she kind of was just like, chuckled a little. I was like, oh, you said that to yeah, her? Yeah, I actually oh, said man. that out loud. I thought this was going through your <laughs> no, head. I actually said it out loud. It was pretty funny. And then uh, she didn't get it, and I was like, oh, that's it. Then, I didn't I, get it either, so. Yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> you have to have a good taste in movies, but. Uh, yeah, uh, we'll I, go with that. Just love that scene in, from, from Spaceballs. It was pretty funny, so. Side note, if you go there, they have one that's more like a, a cinnamon kind of thing. I think it's like a tiger. I don't know. It's amazing, and there's like nuts on it. And I can't say I've ever seen that one. Yeah, it's not, it's not quite a cinnamon roll because it's, it's thinner and bigger. But, uh, and I think it's kind of like tiger stripe color. Huh. Uh, really good. It sounds like... Um... If you were, if you had a picture and you could point to it, then that's probably what you would have went with. But it just wasn't there. No, I got maple and, and just a glazed. The, mm. the glazed was actually pretty damn good. Everything's good there. No, that's true. You couldn't go wrong. Even our even our cake donuts are good. Yeah. So if Lamar, if you want to sponsor us, maybe throw a jersey. We'll we'll hook you up with. Yeah. <laughs> maybe a free coffee. Yeah. yeah or like anything. No. Yeah, uh, sprinkles. Give me some donut holes. That's fine. Yeah. All right. See ya. See ya.